Welcome back to New Rockstars. I got some in my eye that time. Mm, supposed to go in the Hey, this is the big question. Quarantine Edition, it's a show that gives you too much information about the stuff that's too dark, even for Rick and Morty. Yikes. I'm Eric Voss, here with Philip Molina. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I feel good today. I've decided I'm going to embrace however long we're stuck in this life. And this is just me now. I'm just someone who doesn't exist outside. Everyone thought you were dead. Sorry. Uh-huh, this is the new normal. This is default Philip and Eric. This is uh, what we're always born to be. Evolution yeah. ends right here. I don't remember the before times anymore. The the before four? And now we're in the true true. <laughs> Eric, what's my big question? It gives me purpose. <laughs> well, Rick and Morty season four is coming back this weekend. Boom. So exciting. And throughout these four seasons of Rick and Morty, the writers have hinted at this uh, long running secret that might not get revealed until the very end of the series. So I want to know from you, Philip, what is this secret Rick and Morty plot twist that they're saving for the series finale, probably. Why would I know? <laughs> because you're Philip Molina, and I'm Eric Voss, and we just know things. And that's why people ask us these big questions. That's true. I actually do know. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> I knew it! Or I know the four or five most likely possibilities, and I've yes. ranked these by likelihood and mind glowing hood. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's either something that's likely or something that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. Remember Boywood, that risque version of that movie about that kid growing up and becoming a porn star? No, but I'll be Googling something this after we're done taping. <laughs> Okay, so what happened was in season one of Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon gave an interview, or between season one and season two, and he was talking about the big Rick and Morty secret that they'd been talking about in the writer's room that nobody would ever know. Maybe at the very end they'd finally reveal it. And then he was later referencing it again and realized that someone on Reddit had already potentially guessed it. They always do. They always do. So he wouldn't say which of the popular theories it could be, but I've spent uh, too much time looking at what all the possibilities could be and then narrowing it down to just kind of what feels like the show is potentially headed toward and also what feels like would be satisfying. So, first possibility for the deep, dark series long secret. And that is that Rick Sanchez knows that not only is he on a TV show, but that he's specifically a cartoon character. Okay. Uh, yeah. And we've we've kind of seen a lot of things like these, these meta jokes, right? Even mm -hmm. in the pilot, uh, it you know famously ends with all the, uh, like him ranting about the adventures that are going to go on, which kind of sounds like episodes. Uh, right. But he specifically says www.rickandmorty.com, which is <laughs> their actual website. <laughs> yeah. But then they like triple down on that, right? At the In the season finale of that season, he says, Then in season two, he says they'll be back after a commercial break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In Look Who's Purging Now, uh, he he has to remind Morty about what happened in the first act of the episode. Sure. In season three, he says, I want that Mulan McNugget sauce, Morty. That's my series arc, Morty. Hell? If it takes nine seasons. Where's my sauce? Oh, shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. There's another commercial break where he says we'll be right back. And in a Rick and Jerry episode, he yells out, It's a Rick and Jerry adventure. Rick and Jerry episode. What's also interesting about this is that it's not only him. Sometimes it seems like other characters too, but specifically, Mr. Poopy Butthole definitely seems to also 
also know this because he talks to the audience during the credits multiple times. He said previously goodbye until season four in a really long time. Mm -hmm. So actually aware of also the production schedule of the show. <laughs> so my grading on this is like likelihood, yeah, hundred percent. This is this is true. This has to be true. We've seen it too many times. So I actually put it on very low mind blow. Yeah, this isn't even much of a secret. This is just a true facet to Rick's character that he could break the fourth wall. He's like Deadpool or, or Howard the Duck or, you know, he's someone who yeah. doesn't see the barrier between us and the fictional world of the show. The only way that that would be satisfying and, and mind blowing is if the final season or the final episodes really deal with this. You know, it's about like, you watching, your reality is at risk and we're gonna try to save you guys. And it's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer ends up in our world by accident. Oh yeah, and the, the 3D uh, Treehouse of Horror. Er, early you... CGI, yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, that would be crazy if Rick and Morty tried to do like a live stream animated thing where they have okay. a choose your own adventure and the audience can kind of like vote along like Bandersnatch. Rick and Morty fans would definitely vote to end it all. Yeah. Immediately. I'm sorry. Ugh. But so yeah, uh, he knows he's he's a, a fictional character like Eric Voss. So up next on theories, this one actually makes a lot of sense, but I actually hadn't heard it that much. It's the possibility, it's not gonna sound that crazy until you think about the consequences, that Rick is and has always been drinking mega seed juice. And that's okay, actually yeah. that, that spiky seed that goes up Morty's butt uh, in the <laughs> yeah. pilot. Uh -huh. they, they really show it's real graphic, which means that this would theoretically have been set up all the way back in the pilot. Uh -huh. And why that matters at all is because we, the whole series, have gotten really used to Rick drinking from a flask. It's not only a, a hint that he's a terrible alcoholic, but also it's specifically the flask that's interesting because you don't actually see him binging on beer bottles and you know bottles of vodka. It's uh -huh. his own private flask that he's constantly going back into. And then here's the why. If you remember in that pilot episode, Morty drinks from that juice and he suddenly is brilliant for a fleeting second. The increment in the internal energy of the system is equal to the increment of heat supplied to the system. Wow, I'm so smart. That's right, he's able to like last. lie to his parents and come up with like an amazing plausible story that fools Right, off of one sip of the thing. Now, if Rick has been drinking it nonstop, then that would explain his not only above average intelligence, he's the smartest being in the universe. Yeah, in the multiverse. That would explain that, right? Yeah. Now, while that makes a lot of sense, I actually love if you think about this one little bit of evidence that would have again been planted in the pilot. We show an image on screen of when Morty drinks it. If you look at the little dribble that comes out of his mouth, it's blue, which okay. is what Rick always has that bluish uh, dribble always coming out of his mouth which doesn't really make sense for it to be vodka or something. I always just assumed that's just like, you know, they show water, any raindrop is blue, but you know, Rick and Morty's animation doesn't always stick to those kind of old school style animation coloring tropes. Like, yeah, if it is colored blue, it might be like the reason Meeseeks are blue. It's a choice. And especially to make it the same as what Morty has on his face that's after right. drinking from the seed. For likelihood, I actually, because of that detail, Put it pretty high, I'm gonna put it at 70%, and I'm gonna put it at mid-level insanity. Like, the mind blow is decent because it means Rick is not that smart. He's cheating, which of course he's to cheat. If he, if you have that, why not? Yeah, you know, and that does make sense why Rick would have an edge over all the other Ricks. Like, every Rick is like, pretty smart, 
but he's able to like outsmart every single other Rick. He needs some, he's, you gotta test him. You know, there's something enhancing his performance and maybe it's the mega seed juice. And worth noting, that's a seed that he wasn't able to go to some intergalactic liquor store or clinic of some sort. They had to go find this seed in this kind of barren wasteland. Uh -huh. So it might be a thing that he discovered and has kind of kept to himself. I, I, yeah, I buy that. Boom, so 70% on that. Mild mind blow. Number three. This one I had heard before, but it, it does make some sense. And that is that Rick Sanchez is actually just an older Morty. I like yeah. this theory. Oh, you like it? I like it a lot. What did you think about the other ones? Uh, they're interesting, but I kind of take them as like true already. This one seems just on mm. that, on the ballots of uh, Fringe. Okay, so one of the easiest pieces of evidence for this is the fact that both characters are literally voiced by Justin Roiland. Oh, so sure. it's the same dude giving the young voice and the old voice. Hey Morty, what do you think of our moderator? I don't know, Rick. He seems like a real flop sweaty sort of douchebag. But I don't uh, I don't like that kind of evidence. I like in-world evidence. Uh -huh. And this would explain why we often see Rick as apathetic toward danger, but if he's actually future Morty and he knows that he lives to be this old man, then he actually knows that he doesn't have to worry about Morty. He lets Morty get, you know, bitten by things and it just constantly seem like he's about to die. But he's, he knows that he survives all of those things because mm -hmm. he is that Morty. Okay, yeah, I, I see that. He does introduce an I am my own grandfather problem. Yeah, that's right. He's the predestination uh, thing all in a nutshell. And now I must sleep with the sexiest woman here who is also my grandmother or I will cease to exist. How do you know I'm not your grandmother? Now, there is a version of this theory that gets like extra weird where it's not Morty from the future. It's actually a current Morty who's from a dimension where time goes much faster and has left that dimension. So he aged into being older and then switched over and is now in this dimension. The only reason why that I think that's even worth mentioning is there's a scene in the first episode. You know how Morty breaks his legs terribly? Uh -huh. Rick specifically says, I went into a future dimension with such advanced medicine that they had broken legs here at every corner drugstore. So they actually have introduced this idea that it's not just linear side-by-side -side dimensions, but also some dimensions at least seem to have a different time flow. Yeah, that's true. So likelihood, just on the part where Rick is older Morty, I'm putting around 63%. This is very scientific. Where, you know, it's not the craziest thing. The reason I put it above 50% in that it's more likely than not is because it feels like the kind of thing that if you zoom out for this series, the creators would feel like that'd be a worthy payoff to reveal that the, you know, Morty is destined to become Rick. This is who he's gonna be. That's why I think it actually could happen. And it's pretty insane. It's a pretty mind blow. Pretty insane. It's a pretty mind blow. Yeah, I, I agree. That is something that feels like, uh, Rick and Morty's a show that has shown everything is plausible and possible in this multiverse. So like, that is something that, even as a joke, they could put that in there as like a throwaway joke in the finale that isn't meant to be mind blowing, but just like, yeah, there's a reality where Morty grows up to become his own grandfather. Yeah, it's possible. Now, forget that theory <laughs> immediately. <All right. laughs> uh, erase it, thank you. This one, I actually like more. And that's that Morty, Big secret for the whole series is not the original Morty. Oh, 
Oh man, oh, oh, jeez, oh. And what that means, we've been misled this whole time about why these adventures started and how things got going at the beginning. The mm. truth would actually be, and spoiler alert, I'm gonna have a spinoff theory in a second. The truth would actually be that Rick killed the original Morty Maybe by accident, maybe in a fit of rage, as one is wont to do. Uh -huh. But then felt really terrible about it, went crazy, went to another dimension, yoinked a Morty over into his dimension, maybe wiped his memory. And that's the Morty that we've been with this whole time. It would explain a couple of things. One, in the episode Rick Potion number nine, uh, when they replace Rick and Morty in that terribly dark episode, Morty's super traumatized, as one should be. Rick seems like he's done this before. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So that's the easiest setup for this idea, but also in total Rick all. Rick tells Beth after she accidentally shoots someone, uh, he says, listen, Beth, don't be too hard on yourself. I made a similar mistake years ago. Having accidentally killed someone. Also, Rick just having this investment in Morty and wanting to make sure he lives this interesting life and goes on all these adventures that he could definitely just do all this stuff alone. It could be because he wants to make it up to this Morty for having ended the life of a younger Morty, a previous Morty. Time for the spinoff theory though. Uh-oh. Maybe that Morty didn't die, but Rick thinks he did. Uh -huh. Somehow, through cybernetic implants, he survived and became, boom, Evil Morty. Uh, yeah, sure. And thus, it would explain a plot toward vengeance against Rick by his original Morty. That's as plausible of an origin story for Evil Morty as I can think of. Like, he is the Rick we know, Prime Rick, like the Prime Morty of the Prime, prime Rick. Rib. I got some taste for mm, Prime Rick. Oh, a lot yeah. of fat on that. Set of yes. pickles. Uh, Bone in. Prime Rick. Gross. <laughs> mm, that's where the that's where the yummy savoriness is, my friend. I'm getting too erotic about talking about meat and putting their bone in. I put the likelihood of this. I still put it at 55%. I think it's so solid that I think they might do it. That's what she said. Uh, I just you know don't think it's guaranteed, but I think that'd be pretty insane. I think that's mind blow. That's yeah. the mind blow theory to me. It's pretty mind blowing. I would say I would say the whole time. The whole time. Your spin-off theory I would say is more around 55%, but I think the first part of your theory could be more plausible. Just this idea that like constantly different versions of them from different uh sections of the multiverse have been swapped mm -hmm. in and out. I think the moment that happened in Rick Potion number 9, it basically told the audience, "Hey, uh, all these characters you're seeing are interchangeable with other versions of them." Don't think about it. And the fact that they've stuck with that in episodes since, I don't think we're meant to be attached to any one Morty or even any one Rick that at any point they can be swapped out. They followed up on this when uh, when Jerry was swapped at the daycare, you know? It's like, is this the same Jerry? Probably not if you look closely at the... Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the first part of your theory is almost like 99%. But yeah, the, the fact that that would be evil Morty, I agree, is, is about 50, 55. Which of those do you think is most likely and which of those do you think would be most satisfying? I still think the... the most satisfying reveal that they could do. Even We speculated on this before, but this idea that the Morty we're following does grow up to become the Rick, that they're actually the, the same people just separated at different times of their lives. Kind of the, the whole Westworld trick, you know, where William becomes the man in black, they're the same person. Right. But we did see some future versions of uh, Morty's hypothetical deaths in the season four premiere, right? And we did see an elderly version of him on his deathbed, but that was also a timeline where he like fell into depression and got overweight. You know, if he were to 
transform into the Rick we know, that would be a very specific timeline in which he devoted his mind to science. He was depressed and drank a different thing. And maybe like an advanced, advanced elderly version. Because we don't know how old Rick is. What was interesting Hundreds is, of years. Could be hundreds. In, in Rick's flashback in the season three premiere, which also was like unreliable narrator. But he was still kind of old with Beth's mother and young Beth. Yeah. So this guy could be like hundreds, thousands of years old. One thing you'll know if that one's right, if you see Morty's eyebrows start to come together. Let's measure Morty's eyebrows every episode just to I see. I already do. Alright, Eric, those are what I would put money on uh, to be the big secret finale that we may or may not ever learn about. Yeah. Especially at the speed they put these episodes out. <laughs> yeah, we are decades away, potentially. But hey, <laughs> the, the next episode comes out tonight, I think, if depending on when you're watching this episode. So make sure to stick with us. We're going to be doing episodes of Rick Explained, after shows through each episode, as well as additional breakdowns where we break down all the little animation jokes and Easter eggs that they hide in the episode. So we're really excited to have Rick and Morty back, because otherwise, yeah. not a lot of content to talk about these no, days. not a lot! <laughs> not a lot! <laughs> but you know, really, life right now is a lot and I think Philip we could use a bit more chill you know maybe if you're watching this you could be working from home like Philip and I are or you could be dealing with like family stress general life stress yes. sometimes we just need to hit pause and just chill as you guys know, we started doing our Friday meeting into drinking session mm -hmm. because we realized that it's a good time for us to finally chill. And now we started allowing ourselves just a few minutes to actually look at the current news and discuss it and just bleh, let it all out while we have some drinks. And then that's it. We contain it within that time. It's a good way to look at the news in a quick bite size while you have a drink in your hand. That's right, and it's honestly the most forgivable way to go into some extremes in, in your diatribes and your rants and everything that's <laughs> wrong with the world because eventually no one remembers it and you just kind of soften it and ultimately you look back on it as a moment you chilled. The best way we've been able to do that is thanks to our friends from Coors Light. As you know, the mountains on the Coors Light cans and bottles, they turn blue when it's chilled to perfection. It's really just the perfect bear for chilling because it's cold and crisp and it's really just 105 calories what? Yeah, it's, it's why I'm allowed to drink it. <laughs> but you're also allowed to drink it or just choose it whenever you need a moment of chill. When you need to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. And you can have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. And hey, wait, hold on. As you're partying and, and the balloons are up and everything, still celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yeah. What was that about, drinking responsibly? You won't bite that can and throw it with your teeth. No, I have soft teeth like Michael Scott. <laughs> you just hear cracks. They're just jelly beans. Eric, you ready to do bite size questions? Yes! Speaking of your weak bite. <laughs> no, it was headed toward Baby Dinosaur for a while, I think. Oh. Come on then. Come on then. Very good push. Uh, all right, you ready? Yeah. Bite-sized questions for Eric Voss. James Jones at Pilot Jim Jones asks, in Lord of the Rings, this is the classic, classic yeah. question. Could the Eagles have just flown Mother Flippin' Frodo, or anyone actually with the ring, just directly to Mordor, Drop it in the freaking volcano, be done with it. James, thank you for uh, falling on the sword. I don't know if you're legitimately asking this or if you're just asking it for all the other snarkers out there. This is the classic uh, big question question, right? Okay, to answer it once and for all, no. 
the Great Eagles could not have just simply flown the ring themselves because they're powerful beasts. They cannot possess the ring without being corrupted themselves. It has to be the a The Eagles would be corrupted? The Eagles would be corrupted. They're super powerful beasts. They're not beasts. But they're animals. They're all animals are good sold. No, I mean, all of us humans are animals. Elves are animals. Nah, there's a big ass baby on Twitter right now that wants to fight me. <laughs> Looking like a star. Only the hobbits are humble and capable enough of sneaking into Mordor or undetected on foot while the battle at the Black Gate kept Sauron distracted so that Frodo and Sam could reach the exact spot on Mount Doom where the ring was forged and return it to the fires from whence it came. It had to be the hobbits. Now, the reason why the eagles couldn't just fly them to Mordor is that before the Eye of Sauron crashing, Mordor's airspace was impenetrable. The Eye of Sauron would have immediately spotted any huge-ass eagle swooping in, and then they would have sent off the Witch King and his dragon, who were also airborne folks, and would have shot them down and taken the ring for themselves. They had to sneak in there on foot. And, you know, as Boromir said, one does not simply walk into uh, Mordor. But yes, he was right. But it wasn't simple, obviously. They had to sneak in there and they needed Gollum to guide them. So the other thing we need to point out is the great eagles do not serve Gandalf. They're friends. The homies. They're kind of equals. But the eagles aren't going to doom themselves to certain death just to do Gandalf a solid. They did save Gandalf from Saruman and the Fellowship of the Ring, but it posed at that point little risk to them to fly into Mordor would be flying into certain death. So... The only way they were able to help in this situation was only after the Witch King had been slain, after the Eye of Sauron crashed down, after the Dark Lord's army at the Black Gate had been routed, and the ring was destroyed, of course, to wipe out Sauron's power. Then the airspace was cleared for the eagles to help rescue Sam and Frodo. Now, some also believe that Tolkien based the Great Eagles on American delayed intervention in World War II, because the, the wars of the Lord of the Rings are, are based on, on World War II. And that was never confirmed, even though Tolkien did kind of have a disdain for American culture. That's more of like a literary interpretation. But yeah, you could definitely draw some parallels in the way, you know, some Europeans saw the Americans swooping in in the final years of World War II after, you know, other countries uh, spent more lives to do the hard work. Uh, but they do serve a crucial role in rescuing the heroes. Uh, um, that interpretation has never been confirmed again, but that would be another reason why the Eagles would come in as a deus ex machina at the last minute. But that is what literary, uh, according to Greek theater, a deus ex machina is something that comes in at the last minute. Like, that's that's just basic storytelling. I guess you're right. I just can't get over this thing that you're saying the Eagles would become bad. Everyone would become bad. Boromir yeah, is a like wonderful just, man and was know, corrupted momentarily. But men are easily corrupted, case in point, us. I don't know. It's just so sad to imagine like a Gollum Smeagol storyline, but with like a beautiful, majestic eagle. I see. I would have an, an argument for you if you didn't have that, where the eagles, as they approach, could, you know, right on the tip of their claw, slip the ring on, and then they'd approach in cloak mode. The Ring of Power is that corruptive. It is the ultimate right. evil. Even Gandalf couldn't bear it. And Gandalf is a wonderful wizard. Fine. I'm okay with that, so how about another bite size? Hit me with another one. Carol on our Discord has been pumping them out, but they've all been Carol. pretty good. Carol B. DC Diva wants to know, why can't Mandalorians take off their helmets in The Mandalorian when Mandalorians and Rebels and Clone Wars easily take them off all the freaking time? What changed? Yes, this is a very good question. I'm happy to answer it. So, The Mandalorian, the series on Disney+, Plus, takes place in the year 9 ABY after the Battle of Yavin, which is about five years after Return of the Jedi. Currently, 
Clone Wars Season 7 is showing us the Siege of Mandalore, which is set around 19 BBY, the same year as Revenge of the Sith in uh, Order 66. Now, at that point in time, the Mandalorians don't seem to have any kind of stricty culty rules yet. And, and also in Rebels, which is, you know, the, the last time we see them is in 1 BBY, right before the Battle of Yavin. Bo-Katan is seen rallying the Mandalorian clans. And yeah, there's still no culty this is the way there yet. This is the last we see of them. Checking in 10 years later in The Mandalorian, yeah, they're all underground and uh, they're 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 weird and they're culty. Here's what changed. Somewhere in that 10-year period, there was an additional later siege of Mandalore. This is separate from the Republic Siege of Mandalore that we're seeing in the Clone Wars. This later Siege of Mandalore was an Imperial Siege that was led mm. by Moff Gideon Gustavo Frank. That siege was <laughs> horrible to the Mandalorian people. It wiped most of them out. It spread them out. They lost most of their precious relics. And this is what led to them going underground. The Mandalorian group who we meet in the Mandalorian series is a specific survivor cult from that disaster. And they they now have decided the one way they can survive is by covering their faces and adopting these strict rules that preserve their culture and by trying to recover their culture and all their stolen Beskar. So presumably Mandalorian season two and the recently announced season three will fill in this backstory, especially with characters like Ahsoka Tano joining the cast who is tied in with Bo-Katan at the end of Rebels. Wow. Okay, so a lot of shit happened and they just kind of like, I'm glad that I just got that answered. Now, Carol says she has a follow-up here. She was watching recent videos and you used to be willy-nilly about taking off your jacket, but now something seems to have changed in your religion and you, you really uh, love this jacket. Um, layering is the way. All right, and finally, Cal Su on Discord asks, oh, just straightforward, I think you know these off the top of your head too. Uh-huh. What properties does Sony own? Okay, so uh, Sony owns so much. It's a massive technology and entertainment conglomerate. It owns music licensing, uh, video games, uh, consumer products, TVs, <laughs> uh, headphones, speakers, uh, but also a little thing called the Sony Entertainment Group, which bought the old film studio, Columbia TriStar. There were two different ones. They merged, uh, but they bought them in the 80s and is now, it is one of the five big film studios along with Disney, Warner, Paramount, Universal. So they're one of the five. Disney bought out Fox. And they so own? Okay. okay, so here's what they own. The biggest one that they own is Spider-Man, but also all of his associated titles, including the Sinister Six, all the Spider-Verse, alternate Spider-Man, uh, Venom, Carnage, Morbius, Black Hat. At one point, Sony claimed to own over 900 Marvel titles. Most of Marvel comics are tied in and connected to Spider-Man. That's why. They're not wrong. Now, when it comes to Spider-Man, just to clarify something, Disney does not co-own Spider-Man. Disney is co-producing and co-financing mm -hmm. and co-profiting off of these certain specific limited deals with Sony for Spider-Man 3 and another up-tummy, uh, and another up-tummy, <laughs> Another untitled Marvel team-up film where Sony finances and profits 75%, Disney gets 25%, but Disney keeps all the merchandising rights for Spider-Man, which is where a lot more money makes. Okay, so what else does Sony own? They also own the very profitable Jumanji film franchise. Mm -hmm. Jumanji. Jumanji. Dumbledore, is he in Jumanji? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also own Ghostbusters, which is very profitable. They made the film in 2016, but also they're doing Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is coming out next year. They own the Men in Black okay. franchise. They own the Bad Boys franchise. They also own the Karate Kid franchise, including all the remakes and sequels, and Cobra Kai. Now, also, Sony, of course, owns a huge film studio lot in Culver City, which Los Angeles real estate and studio space is a very valuable thing. That's how they make a lot of their money. Other film studios and production companies shoot on their lot. So they produce shows like game shows. Uh, they own a lot of the game show network, uh, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy. They also produced shows for other networks like Community, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. If you see a Sony logo at the end of these shows in the credits, it means Sony had involvement with it. And they probably are making money syndicating this content 
overseas. So that is how Sony makes all of its money. It's why it's not going to be that easy for Disney to just buy them out because they don't just make their money from their film and TV properties. They make money selling uh, headphones and PS4s and all the games that are associated with that. And you could say they probably make a lot more money from that than they do from their films anyway. You're never going to get your Rayman, Spider-Man, Iron Man crossover at Kalsu. I'm sorry. Slash Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Eric, it's time for our mailbag segment. The, the mailbag box of mystery extravaganza. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Why is it called a mailbag when it's shaped like a question box? Oh, why don't we just call it the question box? Too late. It's too late. All right, fine. We've had too fuck. many episodes right, by now. It's stupid. Stupid <laughs> Should have just bought a bag. Have bags. You can't stack a bag. You can't stack a bag. You can't, you cannot stack a bag. Somebody got mad at me for touching my face too much in the comments, and it's like, I'm just alone in my home. Yeah. But I really should. You're not doing meet and greets after this. Speaking of having people in your home, mailbag question, question box question, damn it. What's the weirdest thing a guest has ever done in, in our homes? Okay, I have a story that's kind of legendary in the Voss family. I'm from a big uh, Navy family. There's a lot of- um... Philip Voss, there's Nancy Voss, there's uh, Katie Voss. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, they're all the Navies. But yeah, I have a brother, brother-in-law, my dad spent uh, decades in the Navy. So we would have these big Navy parties at our house. And uh, around the time my dad retired in the early 90s, there was a, a junior officer who was really drunk and comes up to my mom and is uh, complimenting one of my sisters who was 10 years old at the time and he said your daughter is beautiful and my mom said she's 10 and the junior officer goes I'll wait eh, what to your mom I'll wait. Eric, I'll wait. Remind oh. our viewers that we are both from Florida, where that marriage is uh, legal. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Oh. You can never get a judge to grant a divorce from that marriage. Uh, yeah, this guy would probably be late twenties, early thirties. Uh, not okay. Not okay. Most ages, not okay. Did he wait? Yeah, he waited. And he, he waited. Said, he waited. <laughs> I'm sixteen. Oh, yeah, there God. was a lot of, uh, that was one of many uh, probably wild and um, inappropriate things that were going down at some of these uh, pool parties God. in my backyard. Which one, which one of your sisters? I mean, there's so many of them, though. Which one? There were other sisters who were closer to the age of 18 that he, uh, that would have been a little but less no, illegal. Not his type. Not his type. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God, I hate this. I hate yeah, it's, it's the most disgusting and creepiest thing that has ever happened in How did your parents react? Well, they kind of wrote it off at the time. He's like, well, he's my mom was horrified. <laughs> oh, good. We didn't really have any other big Navy bashes at our house because this is when my dad retired. So we didn't have any huge parties like that. This guy was someone that my dad barely knew anyway. But it's just like when you have a party like this, when you're, this, when you're the exo of a squadron, you invite everyone over to your house. His retirement party? Yeah. It's like you're supposed to get a watch, but he give, he presents a ring for your sister. <laughs> oh, God. What a horrible man. Yeah. But yeah. thank you for his service. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll still. Uh, <laughs> you still have to. All that came to mind for me, um, it's, it's tough. I guess a place that I lived where a guest did something weird would be in Jennings Hall, the dorm I lived in, um, freshman year of college. Eagle Eaters. 
The Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got Jennings Hall in the house? <laughs> I'm just trying to finish my engineering assignment. So I had friends visiting from Orlando one weekend. And they, uh, I mean, we were freshmen, college freshmen. And so we got trashed, of course. I won't say on what substance. We were so gone. I think we were all, we just hadn't seen each other in so long that we absolutely overdid it. Uh, and we're just like the most gone we'd ever been. And so, of course, we come back to the dorms. And like, you don't have anywhere to host people, so people just stay in your dorms. And so uh, a friend of mine who was so messed up that we were worried about him, we did it, we get home at like, I think it was like 4 a.m. And we do that thing where uh, like two of us are like, how do you solve this without getting this kid in trouble? But he does seem like he needs help. And so one of you, I guess has seen it on TV or something, is like, well, you put them in the shower. You put the drunk person in the shower and then the steam cures the problem or something. So we walk him over to the shower uh, and then we, we push him in there and we close the curtain and we're like, take a shower, you need a shower. And he's like, I don't need whatever, but he's like so out of it. So then we like reach in and we, we just turn on the water anyway. And he strips his clothes. Um, good uh and and you know toss them aside and we like we like gather them up whatever we bring them a towel and then he just like stays under the water for like a super long time we're trying to wait we're also kind of messed up so eventually it's it's been like 15 minutes or whatever and, and we're like how are you doing in there and he throws open the curtain and he's just totally naked which we've never seen a naked person <laughs> at this point not even ourselves uh <laughs> and we're like whoa okay uh, never mind he's like i'm good man i'm good and taking a shower whatever. and we're like okay so we close it we're like how about we just leave him in here he does seem like he's better the shower medicine is working so we go back into the room and then like maybe 40 minutes later he comes back from from the shower so it's like you know almost 5 a.m uh and he just like passes out on the floor of the dorm room we we all pass out pretty quickly too 6 30 a.m i think maybe at the at the latest pounding on all of the dorm room doors it's the ra and he's just like everybody out of the rooms everybody out of the rooms and we're like we've just gone to sleep and so we get uh woken up and we're all we all fill the hallway and he's like follow me and everybody has to follow him and he takes us into the shower area and he pulls back the curtain he's like which one of you disgusting f**ks took a big ass nasty shit in this shower <laughs> uh and it, it was exactly the shower that our friend had just been in so we immediately just me and the other friend that had been taking care of him look at the third friend who's still pretty drunk Third friend clearly has no idea that it was him. He's just like, man, <laughs> well, this is crazy. Also, he doesn't even go to this school. <laughs> like, the RA doesn't, doesn't notice that. Uh, and so everybody's like going there and he's like, we're not leaving this shower area, staring at this turd until somebody <laughs> fesses up. Uh, and so there's that thing happens where everybody's just like, I mean, it was probably Darren, right? Darren, that looks like your thing, right? And Darren's just like, no, I've been asleep. <laughs> and we're like, Darren, stop lying. And eventually he's like, Darren, was it you? And we're all, it's like like 50 guys basically are just staring at this guy. So he's like, fine, what if it wasn't me? And he's like, then you need to clean it up. So Darren had to go pick up oh. my first turd. Oh, uh, no. And then and then turn on the shower head and try to like get the rest out. Oh. Uh, and that was the weirdest thing that another guest had done was shit in my shower. And then another guy had to clean it up. What's so tough about thinking about this is as I was running through stories in my head, 
by far, I've done most of the weird things in somebody else's house. Ooh, that'll be so next I'm, week's I'm glad I question. Think of something. No, no. Yeah, no. we're gonna we're gonna find that out. We're gonna crack that. Nut. Darren, I know you watch these videos. I'm so sorry. Hey, Darren, the shower shitter. Be sure to become a patron of New Rock Stars. <laughs> that is what they call them. Yeah. <laughs> you can join our Discord. <laughs> well, that is our show. As always, we learn a lot about each other. It's it's such yeah. a valuable experience to get to do this every week. A reminder to all of you: if you haven't already, join our official Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars and you can get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to all of you, as always, who submitted questions. We love hearing from you. Uh, and you can send us your big questions on Twitter using the hashtag BigQuestion or you can mail us anything at our P.O. Box address below. And you can follow me at EA Voss, follow Philip at Philip Molina, follow New Rockstars on social, subscribe here on YouTube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about. See you next week, Philip, and all of you. Uh, bye bye <laughs>